I'm Ben Carter, your life transformation coach, and I've been sent, called, and commissioned to help you live your very best life. Join me on Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. I can't wait to support your leap into victory. Metamorphosis. By definition, it means a marked developmental change that takes place in a being after its birth, causing a transformation so thorough that when that transformation is complete, there is no resemblance in the appearance, movement, or behavior of the former being. Butterflies are beauty floating, but that's not the way they begin their journey. Just as every melody starts with one note and then it grows into a symphony. Despise not the day of small beginnings because the expected end for you is something beautiful and grand and graceful. And though where you started was not your best and the process of change is uncomfortable and ugly, you can't run from it. Who you are and what you were born to do is waiting for you on the other side of this metamorphosis. Diamonds shine, I am glowing. Hey, 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 welcome back. Welcome back. This is Ben Carter, your favorite life transformation coach, and you are tuning into Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. Thank you so much for listening to the live shows. Thank you so much for listening to and downloading the recorded shows, all of my shows are on demand. So you can head on over to blogtalkradio.com slash Ben the Life Coach and download any show and listen to any show that you want. Fast forward, rewind, take notes um, as you sip your little sipper, <laughs> uh, just vegging out and enjoying some alone time so I appreciate those of you who have been doing that and following up with me it's been a great experience so far I think we are probably celebrating maybe let's see uh, September, October, November, December, January almost, almost a six month anniversary so I'll have to make a note to do a a six month anniversary show um, celebration or something like that. You guys got any ideas? Uh, send me some ideas. I don't know what to talk about, but send me some ideas and we'll celebrate. But thank you for stopping by. If you are interested in me as a coach, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. My email address is live LLC coaching at yahoo.com. I did not just fly by night coach <laughs> I actually did pay um, a few thousand more than a few thousand dollars out of my own pocket uh, to train as a life coach I trained with um, the Institute for Professional um, Excellence in Coaching IPEC uh, in New Jersey it is wor- world renowned actually there are and there is uh, accredited coaching institutes around the world so let me just school you on some of you who think that coaching is this um, get rich scheme or a 
quick way to avoid psychology, which I am currently studying, two classes shy of uh, an undergraduate degree in psychology, thank you very much, or a quick way of becoming a counselor, it's none of those things. Um, coaching is just another resource and another tool to support people in living successful lives. You know, and I, I often say the same way athletes need sports coaches and really, really great singers, opera singers come to mind, need vocal coaches. Some of us need life coaches, career coaches, wellness coaches. And that's what I do. And I didn't choose to do it. It chose me. It is a calling. And I've accepted that. You know, I've been pinched a few times by the the call of life and by friends and family who said, you need to figure this out. You know, I'll never forget my cousin said, you need to be like a, a spiritual uh, advisor or, or something, but you need to figure out how you are going to address your calling uh, and fulfill your ministry. And I have, thank you, she probably doesn't remember even saying that, but my cousin Latasha said that. One of my one of my favorite lady cousins said that to me a few years back, and it stuck with me. So when you say things to me, friends and family, they do stick with me. I don't ignore you. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. I appreciate you. So I say all of that to say that I take this very seriously. The radio show is just another way for me to speak to you, uh, to motivate you as a motivational speaker, to encourage you, to speak heart to heart as one man to another man, as one human to another human, um, as one Afro-American black person to another. That's really why I do this, from one coach to another. I'm just really trying to get to the heart of who you are. I am really trying to penetrate your intellect. I'm just really interested in you living your absolute best life. So that's why I do what I do. Um, and that's not the purpose of this show, though. <laughs> the purpose of this show, um, I would have been an atheist. I would have been an atheist. Isn't that something? Ideas for shows always just jump around in my brain and in my heart and in my spirit. And this particular one really um, started kind of brewing a few months back. It kind of started to fester and pester me in every way because I I am working very diligently and very hard not to continue down the path of judgment. I admit that I was very, very judgmental to a lot of things and a lot of people. And a lot of that had to do with how I felt about myself. So my judgment wasn't really about the external stuff. It was about how I was processing who I was internally. And I'm working hard to, to completely throw that away. I don't want any part of that. And as I work hard toward that, one of the things that I find myself doing is agreeing a lot more with people of different religions and people of different beliefs and uh, really taking what they say seriously uh, despite um, and in spite of them not necessarily believing what I believe. Uh, and then it forced me to go back. You know, I always say, go deeper, go deeper. So I forced myself to go deeper. And when I did that, I had to go back to the time when I actually denounced and renounced 
um, religion and even spirituality. I completely stopped uh, believing in God and anything bigger and higher than myself. So when I say I would have been an atheist, that means I would have believed that I don't believe in God. I would have believed that I don't believe in God had I not had the Christ or the God experience and love and life not revealed something bigger and greater to me. For me, the the atheism, as I put it, and I'm just using that really as a catchphrase and as a catch term, I am not calling atheists non-believers in hope or in love or in faith. That's not what I'm saying, but I know that when you hear atheist, you automatically associate that to a um, non-belief or is disbelief a word? I always make up words um, where you choose not to believe in a higher power and most of us call it God. So for me, my disbelief was a dismissal of myself and a dismissal that I could be anything other than the bad things that I had experienced in my life. And I had experienced so many negative things and seen and heard so many negative things that I did not think that for me and the path that my life was taking, that there was anything beyond that or better than that. So at some point, I just said, listen, I don't want to believe in God anymore. I don't want to believe in Jesus Christ anymore. I don't believe in your Allah. I don't believe in your Catholic. I don't believe in your Baptist. I don't believe in your religion, your denomination, any of that. And that came by way of a very painful, hurtful experience that I had experienced uh, in the church when I was experiencing something very, very, very relevant and crucial and significant to my actual livelihood. When I saw that people didn't see that I was dying and the things that they were asking me to do and say and, and the way that they were asking me to behave was actually um, a part of the nail in the coffin. So I ran away. So there's a lot of reasons why I came up with that. And most of you who know my story and most of you who know me know that I was born into the belief. So my grandmother, um, my grandmother was saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, baby. Um, but she was a part of a Pentecostal church and a denomination that was very, very rigid and very strict. And she raised me with the, the thought that God does exist and that Jesus Christ is the son of God and the Holy Ghost was left here as a gift to us. It's the spirit of the presence of Christ. And, you know, I believe that because I was told to believe it. Right. And I didn't I never questioned it until around the ages 19, 20, 21, 22. That's when I really started to question it, when I started to notice things different about myself. So what I am attempting to do here, folks, is hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this, because I know there are some people who cringe when I say God, Jesus, church, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, religion. They cringe because they can't take it. Bible, they feel like I'm about to beat them with the Bible or, or uh, 
toss scriptures at them like darts and they don't want any part of it. I get it. I understand it. That's not what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, I personally don't really care what your belief is. I really, really don't. Not to the point of me trying to convince you otherwise. That's not my mission. That's not my ministry. It really isn't. If if I ask you, what is your purpose in life? I believe that me asking that question is going to lead and guide you to the point of you identifying what you believe spiritually and what your uh, beliefs as far as a higher source and a higher power is. That is your business. And I don't feel guilty by not pushing my belief on you. And I don't feel like you're going to go to hell. That's just not where I am. That's not how I'm delivering this. The reason why this particular topic is important and is relevant to me and for me because I believe that we all somehow mirror one another. I don't exist as an individual who has not experienced some of the same feelings, um, issues, tragedies, triumphs that you have. There is nothing about my experience in life that makes it so unique that no one else has ever gone through it. We are all here to experience some of the same things so that we can build each other. So my hope for this particular show is that maybe, just maybe, you will hear or see yourself in me. And maybe, just maybe, that as I talk about my healing process, that we can heal together, that we can grow together, that we can live L-I-V-E, that's the acronym for my business, leap into victory every day (laughs) that we can love together. And ultimately, you know me, chuckle. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. It's all about the loving of life. It's all about the loving of laughter and teach each other and love each other into our best, greatest selves. Right. So don't get nervous. Relax. Breathe. Come on. Breathe with me. Mm, Yeah. Breathe in. Breathe out. Take the breath. Right. Take that breath. Don't stress out. Don't worry. I am not trying to sell you religion. I don't want 10% of your earning for my business as a tithe. I'm not asking you to buy anything. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus saves or that Allah is the one true God. You know, that's, that's not where I am. I'm really not attempting to do that. What I'm doing is sharing and caring, and I do mean sharing and caring. So I am going to tell my business tonight, okay? (laughs) Listen, if you are nosy and your friends are nosy and your family uh, is a bunch of nosy uh, and busybodies, call them up and say, listen, Ben is about to spill some beans on his life tonight. He's going to tell some of his business. That's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to pull your card. I'm not trying to um, give you the steps, right? I'm not trying to give you the five steps to a new you and a new career. That's another show. If you want to hear it, go rewind it. Go download it. I'm sharing the details of my life, right? So, What I am really discussing is how I went from hopelessness, near death, depression, into a life of ever-present hope. And I mean ever-present hope. Tonight, as I speak to you, 
there are some issues that my family is dealing with that will absolutely shift the trajectory of uh, one of my very young family members lives and I'm talking you know thank goodness thank God thank love that she is still here but there are some things that she is dealing with some decisions she's having to make that are painful and are heartbreaking and so as I come to you and I deliver this message I'm not just saying words and spewing words ever-present hope right that's what I'm talking faith and peace so when I talk about my my path to finding God, so to speak, I have to be honest, I didn't find God. I chose to see God and I chose to see God in myself. And sometimes God is such a small word when you really think about how grand and how big the experience is. Sometimes I call it, I call him if you want to give it a gender. If you want to get into that conversation, I call it mine because it belongs to me. Sometimes I call it great overseeing dominion, but it is something that I believe is bigger than me. It's an extension of me. It is outside of me. It is inside of me. It is around me. It is away from me. It is behind me. It is in front of me. It is omnipresent, ever-present, all-consuming, all-inclusive. That's just the way that I feel about it. And this is going to be my testimony, so to speak. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight, right? And again, for those of you who who subscribe to or define uh, or describe yourself as atheist, I'm not being disrespectful. I love you. I hear you. I see you. It is just a term that I use. When I use it, I know people automatically assume that I'm talking about me not believing in God. And that is really simply what I'm saying. There was a point in my life where I did not believe in God. As I go through this show tonight, folks, what I am going to do is talk about three life-changing events. There are more than three. If you want all three, then you might have to come and um, have dinner with me or we'll sit back and have a nice cup of coffee and a nice um, bowl of ice cream or something and we can talk. <laughs> we can have coffee talk. <laughs> How you doing? We can, we can have coffee talk, right? And uh, really get into the thick of my experience. But that's what we're going to talk about. And I've got three events that absolutely changed my life. So I told you that I am going to talk about three events, three events that took place in my life, some self-inflicted, some 
totally based on my own uh, choice and my own decision. But what I'm going to share, right, because I'm not interested in pulling out a Bible or or pulling out other people's experiences or pulling out history books and saying, look, look, this is why, this is why. When you come into the awareness of your own truth, when you come into the awareness of a larger life source, a deeper, I mean a deeper love power, a greater intellect, a, a greater state of being, you don't waste your time trying to prove to people uh, your point or, pew, or spew, excuse me, a bunch of facts. That's not what you do. You just share. Excuse me. Excuse me. I just share. I am just sharing my dark experiences that led me to the love light, that led me to the point of not wanting this life to absolutely loving every moment of this life and not wanting to give it up. Because it's not about me being right, y'all. Come on, it's not about that. I don't care to be right. Let me just tell you this right now. I don't care to be right about your life. I really don't. You have the answer. You be right about your own experience. I'm not trying to, to make my right, your wrong, or your wrong, my right. It's about the even exchange of the love and the experience, period. So these, event, these events that I'm going to talk about are going to tell you how I moved out of depression, out of jealousy, out of bitterness, out of suicide into a life of joy, love, faith, peace, abundance, purpose, awareness, light, clarity. That's what I'm going to do. First one. Can we start here? <laughs> when I was in college, my second year of, of college, I experienced some disappointments. And when I went away to college, I went away to college in Rhode Island. I thought that, okay, clean start, right? Life is going to hand things over to me on a silver platter after everything that I've dealt with with my parents, growing up with the domestic abuse, growing up with the drug abuse, growing up with the, which I didn't know at the time, the verbal abuse, um, and just being able to manage that. I thought, okay, life, Ben is here. You're going to make this thing happen. You're going to make things pop for me. And when it did not, I absolutely went into the deepest, darkest depression um, I think I had ever gone through or been through. So the second year in college, I probably went from maybe 200 plus pounds, uh, maybe between 180 and 210. I was somewhere around there. You know how they say the, the freshman 15, well, baby, I must have put on the freshman 30 or the freshman 45. I came back home after my freshman year, a big, fat, nasty roly-poly. <laughs> you could, you know, bounce me up and down on the ground like a basketball. I was, I was just a big, round son of a sap sucker. So <laughs> the second year when I had experienced what I experienced, you know, a lot of it I dealt with uh, that year in, in sophomore, sophomore year in school 
was my first um, time dealing with racism one-on-one -on -one. Um, so I remember calling for jobs and people thinking that I sound white over the phone and I went to a very prestigious culinary school and they were always looking for folks that went to that school um, and I my name is Benjamin I'm a freshman at this university blah 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 oh wow you're hired, sight unseen. Just come in, fill out the paperwork. We always take students from that university. We'll start you out, you know, in the kitchen. You'll work your way up in some prep and all of that. Wonderful. I get there and they see my black face and, oh, you know, oh, you're Benjamin? Oh, I'm sorry, Benjamin, that the, the job has been filled, that kind of thing. So very stereotypical stories that you hear people tell, I've heard those. You know, and I go, eh, that's you, that's in the 50s, that's in the 60s, that's in the 70s, maybe even the 80s. But here it is, 1995, um, 96, and that's what I'm dealing with, that's what I'm experiencing. And I get to the point, you know, I'm just goofy and gung-ho, don't let it hurt you, don't let it affect you, Ben. Keep moving. And I had an experience with a professor. And... It was such a painful experience for me. Half of it I've blacked out. I've honestly blacked it out because it was such an unbelievable uh, an unbelievable experience that I blacked it out. Um, but I do remember this one part where the professor, we were going up the steps and he made sure that we were in a corner where no one else was around. And he said, did he say, I did not fail you, but I did give you a low grade because you are black and I don't like you because you're black. And it was basically, I dare you to tell anyone because it's going to be me, a culinary professor, my word against this poor black boy who can't pay his financial aid or can't pay the loans or pay tuition, right? And that's the way that I took it. And I, could, I was in shock, in shock. And to top it off, <laughs> That's not it. You know, there were multiple experiences. Um, long story short, the few days before Christmas, me and my roommate were scared that we would not make it home for, before, uh, for Christmas because there was a snowstorm, a pending snowstorm, very similar to the one that we just experienced here in New Jersey. <laughs> um, well, I'm in Nashville now. I made it out, but we, we had a crazy storm in uh, New Jersey, and very similar to that, we were like, we got to get home, we got to get home. Well, we attempted to go home, and he drove, and we got into an accident, and we did not have any money, and it just so happens that, again, I'm on the phone from the police precinct, I book a hotel for us, and I go... Um, you know, my name is Benjamin Carter. We need, this is the, the experience. My roommate, who was white, was so shaken up, he could not book the reservation. So I'm booking it, and we get to the hotel, and she refused. He went in, and he was still shaken up. And I called, and I, and I walk in. I said, hi, you must be, and I'm Ben, and da-da-da-da-da. And she said, no, I don't, I don't know. Mm -mm. You can't stay here. We don't do that. We don't book reservations. Sorry, you can't stay here. Again, and I'm like, 
and I'm looking for my ID and I had dropped my ID and I had to go back outside and I got my ID and I came in. It was a mess, just crazy mess. You know, if my, my aunt is listening to this call, she'll remember. <laughs> and I said, this is me. I just spoke to you. I just gave you this information. I said, do I have to go out and get the cop? That's the only way we could get the room. I said, the cop is outside. He was standing there when I spoke to you. And I can't remember this lady's name. And she said, okay, 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 I'll give you the room. And so those experiences, you know, with the combination of everything that was going on and had gone on with my life. And by then, things were not great at home. You know, my mom was still in the thick of what she was going through. Um, at that point, I, I had not heard or spoken to my father probably up on, at that point for at least six years. Um, and it was crazy. So I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping, right? I, I remember one of my very, very good friends at the time, and she was the one one of the few people that kept me holding on, and she probably didn't know it. Her name was Rachel. And she was feisty, and she was strong. And she said to me one time, you know, I don't know how you continue to deal with this, how you continue to take things, and you you don't blow up, and you don't lose it. Well, she didn't know that I had completely stopped eating. I had stopped eating. Um, I had stopped sleeping. So I would be up literally for days at a time until I just crashed. What I was attempting to do was slowly kill myself. That was the mission. That was the goal that if I starved myself or I didn't sleep, that something would happen. My heart would give out. Something would give out. And it wouldn't be like a violent suicide. You know, I'm not shooting myself. I'm not taking pills. I'm not slitting my wrist. So I, I won't go to hell. <laughs> but I'll get out of this life. I won't have to deal with this life. And I'll tell you one of the events that I was experiencing. I think, and listen to me when I say this, because it, it really got me together. It made me get myself together. I think at one point I was so delirious Right? I was so delirious and so exhausted and so hungry that I, I almost passed out or what felt like I passed out. But in the split second moment, and I've only ever told one person this story, I felt like something shook me and said, tell the truth. Come out. Get yourself together. Stop living this way. Is when I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God, God, you are there. Or life, you are there. Or love, you are there. Something was there that shook me. And I heard this voice that said, get it together. Stop doing this. Don't do this. This thing where I thought I was passing out, but in the that split second of me semi-fainting and grabbing the wall, my, my body shook. What felt like my body shook. And it said, get it together get it together and in that moment I knew that there is something bigger than myself looking out for me because if life was really as hopeful and as uh, I'm sorry hopeless excuse me as hopeless as I thought it was and as painful and there was nothing or no one on my side then what I felt should have been me collapsing and my heart giving way or my kidneys giving way or something um, 
giving way where I at least found myself in the hospital on an IV. And when I tell you starving myself, I was down to a 145, 150. That experience, y'all, that experience was when I knew, okay, something's out there. And it, it gave me a little bit more strength to keep on going, to keep on going. Um, and that's how I, I kept moving forward. Because before that, I was hopeless. There was no hope. You know, even some of my church experiences when I was crying out um, and when I was basically saying through my tears and through my rambling that I want to die, but I don't want to go to hell. I want to die, but I don't want to go to hell. I'm in pain. Please help me. I don't think people heard that. And if they heard it, they didn't have the words to help me move away from the the edge or the ledge if you will so that was one of the experiences that kept me right that kept me but soon after after I left school and I decided to go back home and I started to work and you know I was still experiencing some of those feelings because depression doesn't go away you know just by one good shake from from your higher power or from life, what it did was extend my life. It extended my life, but I wasn't in the awareness then. I was still expecting life to hand me, you know, the silver spoon or hand me opportunities on the silver platter. So again, that's just one of those events that sustained me. But now thinking about what really, really strengthened my faith over the years, that's one of those experiences I fall back on. But that, I was like 19, 20. I come back home, move back home with my grandmother, and I get into my first relationship, right? And let's just say before that, I was experimenting. Um, and I was promiscuous. I was, for me, I was promiscuous. I don't know about some of y'all. And I know some men won't even use that word, you know, sowing your wild oats or just doing your thing, getting your mm, off, whatever you want to call it. But for me, for Ben, I was promiscuous because um, that wasn't something that I just believed in. But baby, what, what, I was doing my, what, what, doing my thing. <laughs> and it was unhealthy, right? It was unhealthy. And then I got into an unhealthy relationship. And when I say unhealthy, an unhealthy relationship. During the time of me getting into that relationship, I had an experience um, through some, I'll just call church folk, right? And that experience caused me to denounce and renounce church altogether. Throughout that time, I was feeling like the religion thing was so limiting. I can't do this. I can't go here. I can't drink that. I can't say this. What can I do? I felt really boxed in. And I was like, you know what, God, you know what, Jesus, if this is you and these are your rules, guess what? Not playing by. I'm sorry. I don't want any part. And so when that situation helped, it just solidified that God isn't God. Jesus isn't Jesus. Those are rules. Those are religious tactics to keep people in a mindset that keeps them out of living their truth, right? If your truth doesn't fall within these commandments or this scripture, 
then you're you're the devil, you're possessed by a demon, and you're going to hell. That was my interpretation. And so when that experience happened, I was like, good. But I was still living with the depression and the situations from childhood, my teenage years, my college experience. I never got over that. I had enough to sustain me to not kill myself, but not clearly worked through. So I, I start chatting it up with folks. I get into this relationship, move out and move in with someone. And let's just say that every disease that you could possibly catch, I was exposed to. Every sexually transmitted disease, and I mean every. You go down the list, I was exposed to. And because I was so upset and mad, when I went to the doctor and the clinic and I was with the person I was with and they told that person, listen, this is what you have. And they told me, you know, check yourself. You might have this. I still didn't pray. I, I don't remember asking God to not spare me. I was so pissed off. As a matter of fact, during that year, I remember saying, you know, to uh, to God, because I had been used to praying before that. I remember saying, don't try to talk to me and I'm not going to ask you to heal me. Whatever happens, happens. If this happens, oh, well, I'll figure out how to deal with it. But I remember saying, don't talk to me. Right. So even in my disbelief, I believed <laughs> that there was someone, something um, some love there listening to me. And so when I say every disease, I mean every disease. And when I say promiscuous, I had unprotected sex. I had unprotected sex. And I'm not saying one time and I said, oh, I slipped up. I said, like a lot of men do at 22 years old, I can't feel it. I want to do this thing raw. Yeah, that was me. And I compromised myself over and over and over again. And I'm being so real right now, right? And when I say real and raw, I mean real and raw, that I literally, literally was finding other ways to commit suicide. I did not want this life. Or at least at the time, I did not know how to articulate I don't want to hold on to my past experiences because I've taken the pain of my past experiences and created a painful lifestyle. So everything hurts right now. And I can't enjoy anything. I couldn't enjoy going out to dinner because I thought about not having money. I couldn't enjoy going to the movie because I thought about the money I spent on the movie. And because I grew up poor, I felt poor and inadequate and irrelevant. So many things. During that time, I remember I was working at a facility where someone blamed me for stealing money. You know, and I almost thought that the people who knew me personally thought that I did it too. So there are so many events, but this this second event, when I got into this relationship with this person who continued to have um, sexual relationships outside of our relationship, continued to expose me to all kinds of behavior, um, I continued to stay in it. I continued to stay in it. And it was bad. I, I was really on a downward spiral. And... It all came to a head 
one evening, one night when I couldn't breathe anymore, literally couldn't breathe. And at the time, I didn't know that it was a panic um, anxiety attack, but could not breathe. Um, and it was a year into this experience. And, you know, long story shortened. <laughs> Shortening this long story, this second event, it was me walking into a hospital and checking myself into a psychiatric ward. I'm telling you, I'm telling my business, I'm spilling the beans, and guess what? I don't care if you judge me, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, because I'm telling you, in those atheistic moments where I had no hope, where I did not want that life, there was still something pushing me. Something got me up and said, you are suffocating in your own misery, depression. Get help. Get out immediately. And when I tell you, and I tell that story, I tell that story and I say I would have been an atheist because 99.9% .9 of the men and or women who were in that relationship would have walked away with a life-threatening sexually transmitted disease and they might not be here now. I'm talking over 17 years ago and I don't have any of those issues, any of those issues. You hear me when I say that? Do you hear me? That that wasn't me. I was trying to take myself out. And that people don't walk away from that unscathed. I walked away. And I'm not saying that to downplay or point the finger. This is my story. This is my experience. You can't take my experience away from me. Had that not happened to me. I would have continued down the road of atheism. And what really, really got me to the point was I remember praying on my knees. I got down on my knees. When I decided to pray 11 months into this unhealthy relationship, y'all hear me? And I said, please change this person that I'm with. Please make them love me. Please make them take care of themselves so they can be healthy. Please fix this relationship. I'm telling you, it was a, a quicken in my spirit. There were words that spoke to my spirit that I heard, that I felt, I should say. I felt it. It was a heart feel uh, and a heart penetrator that said, you are praying the wrong prayer. What you should be asking for is the strength to remove yourself from this relationship. And I was like, what? What you say? <laughs> Who's talking to me? Mind your business. That's not what I asked. I asked you to fix this and fix that person. No, no, no. You're praying the wrong prayer. You should be asking for the strength to exit stage left so you can turn right and get your life right. And when I got that and I started praying that prayer, that Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Give me the strength. I got the strength. I got the strength. I got the strength. And this story goes on and it goes on and it goes on. But what I'm saying to you is at that point, y'all, I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't spiritual enough. I wasn't even religious enough. To say that to myself. I didn't have enough good sense. To say that to myself. 
to say, give me the strength to get out of here. I didn't. If, if I stayed in a relationship where someone uh, was diagnosed with a life-threatening disease and they still continue to expose themselves and others, then come on, really? Really? You know I didn't have good sense. You know I didn't have good sense. And so that prayer, right? When I, when I finally decided, okay, this is what I'm going to pray for. That's what you're going to pray for? After the year that you just had, that's the foolish prayer that you're going to have. And it was as if God was waiting for me to communicate, to communicate so that I could get that message. And baby, I got that message. I got back. I got out of that relationship and I never looked back. I got the hell up out of Dodge. You hear me? <laughs> I got out, right? I got out. And Again, y'all, I'm not, listen to me when I tell you this. I don't really have no big takeaway. I'm not really trying to teach you anything here. I'm sharing. If you hear yourself in my experience, that's your caution. I'm your cautionary tale. If you see yourself in me, come on, please. You've got to start figuring out. What is it that I need to do that's going to move me out of this low-level hopelessness into a high-level, hopeful, thoughtful, faith-filled way of thinking, feeling, approaching, and experiencing life? You hear me? All right, now. You heard me? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. So listen, breathe. Take that in. Let it out. Take it in. Let it out. This third one, and I'm going to make it real fast because you guys know this story. This third event about my mother. My mother passed away, uh, I guess it's going on four years, somewhere around there, three years, four years, I don't know. But when my mother passed away, that was an event that shook me to my core. And it was such a sensitive time for me after everything we had gone through. I My first show was about this. Me and my mother had become really, really close, super close. I had forgiven her to the point where I had forgotten, forgiven and forgotten. And we had become close, but I was still judging her. And I was judging her out of fear that she would fall back into past patterns. And I, my judgment was ever present. But when she, when she passed away, that judgment melted away. There were a couple of things from that third event. The one thing, when my mother first had her heart attack uh, and stroke, she was out and she was alone for at least 12 hours. Most folks would have died. But there was this extension, if you will, some spirit power that kept her that kept her. Me and my sister, you know, when my sister found her, they took her to the hospital. They told her, told us she might not wake up. Kidney failure, liver failure. There's no, we can't guarantee you she's coming from, from this. So, you know, if you've got the DNR, prepare for the worst. Me and my sister praying, you know, we're taking turns, turned, visiting my mother. And guess what? She comes out because we prayed. And I asked people to pray. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But it wasn't really because I prayed that I feel like she came out. What I think was the turnaround, what really made me believe in, in this higher power that we'll call God, was that we had the conversation with the doctor. And every time I speak to other people who have been in that situation, every other situation, they've lost their loved one. My mother came out on her own. I think it was my mother who made a choice and the creator who said, I'm going to give you this opportunity because I want your kids to see that they can have faith in me and faith in you. I'm going to give you back to them for this short period of time because they need to know that I am God. I do love them. And you do love them. And even though you were not there all of those years, I'm giving you back. And so it was only two, three months that she was with us. And it was a gift. It was a painful gift because my mother, she turned up. She was a mess. <laughs> and a mess in a good way because it meant that, you know, she had to depend on us for a lot of things. And, you know, grown folks not trying to hear that. They're not trying to listen to their kids. But... She was cooperative when I was around, but she showed out when I wasn't there. <laughs> she showed out. And when my mother passed away, I don't know how to explain this to you. And hopefully you never have to experience it. But when you lose your mother, baby, baby, baby. When they say that, oh, when you lose your mother, it's a different thing. I didn't believe them because of the relationship I had with my mother that it wasn't always the best. And when I lost my grandmother, I felt that. But when I lost my mother, it was something, you know, different, different. But I felt like the prayer that I had always prayed that God, and this is the prayer that I would pray or the hope that I would have throughout my life. God, if you are really, really real, stop this foolishness with this churchy stuff. I want to feel you. When my mother passed away, there was such, and the only word that I can use is anointing, there was such a covering over the entire experience where I felt like, and I've told you all this, God actually held me or my mother held me. They both held me in their bosom and rocked me. And every time that I wanted to completely break down, run away and not deal because of everything that I had dealt with and I wanted to say, why me? Why now? I didn't have time for that. There were way too many kisses, way too many still voices saying, son, this is how you should handle it. I heard my mother saying the whole time, even making funeral arrangements, whatever you want, son, I trust you, whatever you want. That's what I heard. And that event is what solidified that yes. There is something bigger, greater than my puny, circumstantial, emotional feelings that there is something greater than me. And that experience, I'm telling you, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain to you how death gave me life. It was a rebirth for me. It defined my manhood. It explained my life to me.
every question that I had, it was as if, as I was experiencing that, and the months after that, God said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to see why I allowed you to go through what you went through and what it's all for. And it's all led me up to this point. So listen, I would have been <laughs> an atheist. Those situations should have been situations that completely solidified my unbelief. But they did the exact opposite. And I'm not being flighty or fairy with you. I'm not. I'm not making it up and saying, listen, I heard this voice and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. That's not what I'm doing. Because at the time, in those moments, I wasn't a part of anybody's church. I wasn't paying anybody's tithe. I wasn't calling on anybody's Jesus really in that capacity. I wasn't, you know, going to see the priest. I wasn't doing any of that. My experience with God happened outside of all of that is what I'm saying to you. You get that? My experience with God and what really started me to trust and believe was that it took place outside of what people say it should exist in or it should take place. So baby, sugar, darling, dumpling, love, <laughs> I would have been, I would have been, you know, and this is what I believe about faith. <sighs> Breathe. And this is what I believe about happiness. That faith and happiness will either become magnets and draw people in. They will either want some of your faith or some of your happiness, some of my faith or some of my happiness, or it will absolutely repel them, that they will run away. They will not want how you define your faith. They will not want how you display your happiness. And I'm working very hard to live with and express both, to have a faith bigger than religion, to have a faith bigger than a title of my higher love source, to have happiness greater than circumstance. My happiness has to be worth more than my bank account. My happiness has to be greater than the, the pain that I feel today. And I'm being real with you. My, my happiness has to be a graduation out of situational and into the joy of my God, the joy of what I believe to be the Lord of love is my strength. You've, you've got to move beyond that stuff that you were taught and figure out if you're willing to have the experience. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking the experience. So that's what tonight's show is about the experience and identifying if your faith and your happiness are going to draw people in like magnets and have them wanting what you have or if it's going to be a repellent. This is the only question, the only assignment, if any. What are you attracted to? And you can figure this out in many ways. First thing you can do is look at your Facebook page. Look at the stuff that you share. <laughs> Look at the conversations you have. Look at 
how often you meditate, how often you pray, how often you hope and wish the best for people. What are you attracted to? Fill in the blank. Oh, people, 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 thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for stopping by. And tonight, I pray for you, with you. And when I say pray, I conjure up every bit of love inside of me and I connect to what I believe a higher love source. I connect to you as you stand still and present in your love and your faith and in your hope, whatever you believe. And I pray and I speak wellness for you, around you, through you. I speak that over your life. And tonight I speak this. And would you take this opportunity to pray and speak wellness, healing, love, light. From my cousin Tamika. Say her name. Tamika. Love. Tamika. Healing. Tamika. Love. Tamika. Healing. Tamika. Be touched. By love. Tamika. Be healed. By love. Tamika. May God of your understanding. Tamika. May the God of love surround you. Speak this, pray this, meditate, be still in the presence with me, whatever you believe. If it is rooted in love, if it is rooted in hope, if it is rooted in a peace that surpasses our human intellect, if it is rooted in joy, speak it with me. Tamika, you are healed. We love you. Speak the name and then speak your family members. Say your son's name. Say your daughter's name. Say your mother's name. Say your father's name. Say your cousin. I speak Pam's name tonight. Healing. Family members. Friends. Everywhere. I love you. With my whole heart. With my spirit. That exists beyond my human being. From my heart to yours. I would have been. An atheist had not I experienced the ever-present love of my creator, my God. Till next time.
you know.